Hi, and welcome to GP Cast. Uh, this podcast is going to be put together every so often. Um, and before we get started with uh, our guest and what we're going to talk about today, I just wanted to give all of you a heads up um, that might be asking, what is this podcast? What is it about? What are you guys doing? Um, and really what the hope is, is that this podcast would be a moment where we could communicate further with you as a congregation um, and maybe dive deeper into what we're talking about on Sundays, whether it's a sermon series or something specific is going on. Uh, and also it'll be an opportunity for us to interview some staff that you get to hear from some of the staff and some of the leaders here at the church so that you can get to know them better, that they can share their stories and that uh, we can all grow together as one family. And so this audio podcast that you're listening to will be something that will come out once a month. Uh, and occasionally, in addition to that, they, there will be some video contents that uh, are definitely shorter than this audio podcast where um, we can do some in-person interviews, maybe have some specific ministry highlights, um, or, or things like that. So be looking for that. Those sorts of things will be released on our social media. So if you're not following Greater Portland on Instagram or Facebook, um, make sure to go and subscribe to those so that you can get those as they're released. Uh, but this podcast will be uh, something that will come out. Our plan is once a month um, and, and we'll be in that form. So uh, today... My guest with me is a Texas native who spent many years in Las Vegas. He's a Multnomah University graduate and your lead pastor. You know him as Greg Lunsford. Hello, Greg. How's it going? Good. Uh, we're good. We got a really nice setup in here. We're uh-huh. in uh, one of the breakout rooms in the youth building, and there's chicken wire. Uh-huh. Um, there's a painting. Who's that painting by? Uh, I did that. You did that? Yeah. Hey, excellent. Thanks, so man. If, if you're, obviously you can't see it, but it's a painting of, it looks like a cove. Uh, uh-huh. a lot of, a lot of rocks and water. I'm glad that's up. the word that you went to is cove. What would you, how would you describe I mean, I, that? that? You're, that's spot on. I just don't know the last time I used the word cove. Oh, there's plenty of cove. Naturally. <laughs> <laughs> but that's true. That is a, it's a pretty painting. That painting was in this room. Probably, Probably before it was built. Yeah. <laughs> it's been hovering there for decades. It's been here for decades. It's been here for decades. Awesome. Uh, well, Greg, thanks for being here on the podcast. Yeah. Um, you uh, are a Texas native. Um, go Cowboys, go Spurs, Gigum, Aggies. And those are all sports references. Yes. That's what you're just yes. saying. We, okay. did. we did a couple of football and a basketball. I'm not really a baseball guy. I'm sorry. Uh, no baseball for you. Sorry, James Bland. I know that's insulting <laughs> if you're listening to this, but uh, just. And what did you play in growing up? I play. I did play baseball a lot growing up, <laughs> but it got to the point where I started noticing I was a lot more terrible than the other guys, and then I was like, ah, this isn't my thing. Um, I did play football, and I wrestled. Um, yeah, uh, those are the sports that I played. So you wrestled, but your ears aren't weird. So did you wear the headgear and all that? I, I didn't wrestle all. I, ju- I think I just wrestled one year, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, the ear thing really. You didn't want made that. Me, I was like, that's. I hung up my helmet. I don't know what those. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what those uh, ear things are called in wrestling. Yeah. It's been that long. 
but you didn't want to do it. But no. you did play baseball. Yeah, yeah, growing up, up until high school. Gotcha. Yeah. Dang. And then now your son, Ransom, is a soccer phenom, right? He's That's his jam. Soccer is his jam. He really loves it. He's into it. I just found out today that he's going to start taking piano lessons. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, some competition awesome. coming your way. Yeah. Good. Good. I need it. It helps propel me to know that there's children learning piano. Then I go, oh, I need to get back in there and get lessons. That's awesome, though. Um, and then, yeah, you've been here at Greater Portland now for over a year and a half. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, it's been... It, it probably feels like it's gone by quick. I've been of, here for 10 years. Because of COVID. Yeah, right. COVID made everything feel way longer. We were like, man, it's been eight years. I feel I've aged during this time yeah, as yeah. well. Absolutely. Yeah, you can tell. Yeah, it thank looks, you. It looks... It's, I got the grays coming in. You got way more in, grays. Wrinkles around the eyes. That's that thing that they say about presidents. You know, Look like always, George Burns. It's always like you can tell the difference between their oh, yeah. first day in office and their last is all the grays. Yeah, absolutely. It's gonna be your story. But no, here. it's been it's been a good, um, good time since being here. Uh, something that's always stood out to me is just how well the faith community has stayed together, mm-hmm. um, connected with one another. Um, especially when we went to online services, they were still um, meeting, whether it was Zoom or in their small groups, and just stayed really well connected together. So that's something that's always blown me away about this church is how well um, they love each other. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, and then what, I mean, what was that transition like going from, going from church planter in Vegas right. and getting a church started and then coming up here and joining a church that was already established and has been yeah. around for decades? Was that, was that like a welcome relief? Because I know a lot of times for church planters, there's a ton of different things that you have to manage and take right. care of because you don't have the staff. And then here, I mean, even my experience coming on, I, you know, needed uh, a new piece of furniture for my office and that was someone else would order it and it would just appear and like, you know, it was this completely different system. No, absolutely. Church planning, you're kind of, you and your family are all hands on deck at all times. And so coming here, yeah, it was refreshing. I was like, man, I don't have to do everything. And it was just really nice um being able to walk into that and just see how uh many servants there are here how many people are already leading out in ministry and um and and for uh, me just to walk into that um it was refreshing i'm like man like i my job is just to get to know these people get to love them and see what their giftings are and how do we uh get them in spaces where they could use their giftings and so it's it's taken away so if if you don't know me, I'm very big picture. I love big picture. I love looking down the road, vision. I love starting things. Um, details stress me out. And so it's the, the staff here is so full of people that are, have that gifting of organization, of details, of administration, that it's really helped me out so much. And it's been, it's been like I said, refreshing coming into that and be like, oh man, there are people that want to cling on to the vision and just go into the um, um, the next part of the story of Greater Portland. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that, that definitely, that shift of you have to do everything to now you have other people, you learn how other people's giftings can benefit you when they're 
Yeah, I try to you. use people for my benefit at all times. Yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. To always want to take advantage of people, use them for your benefit. Oh, gosh, that sounds terrible. That no. is not the case. <laughs> no, totally. But it is that like that idea of seeing other people in right. ministry that can take the reins on something who are going to lead it better because oh, totally. no one of us is going to be able to lead everything yeah. perfectly, you know? So yeah, that's definitely a thing. So you, you mentioned big picture, um, vision kind of stuff. Now you've been here for over a year and a half. Um, you've learned the lay of the land and what would you say just in terms of us as a church, like where, where do you feel like we're headed where do you see us in a year or two years or, you know, what do you see as the future for Greater Portland? Right. It's been it's been neat seeing um, in just a year and a half that I've been here how God is moving within our focus of our neighborhood and been opening a lot of doors up to uh, different neighboring um, neighbors. Mm-hmm. Neighbor, neighboring neighbors. neighbors. Yeah, yep. that's a yeah, we could coin that. Um <laughs> But and and so I've, I feel like just stepping into those spaces missionally, um, well, with the heart of bringing Jesus and and loving our neighbors um, as ourselves, and just continuing to to go through that, and just um, seeing some new people come into the church too, and just uh, hearing their heart for mission and really expanding and leaning into those giftings, and how can we reach the city as a broad? Like we want to continue to do missions globally and locally as far as it's our neighborhood. But but I feel like one of the next things we're going to see is how do we uh, serve our city. And one of those ways, that, I mean, we've talked about a little bit, is church planning down the road. And, and I feel like, for me, uh, the local church is the main uh, vessel uh, for to bring Jesus into neighborhoods. And so I feel like that's going to be a big thing for us in the future is how do we and where do we um, plant a church and use that as a focus of um, bringing Jesus into those the city and the neighborhood and continue to have that mindset where we're reproducing, multiplying um, in, in all of our ministries and as a church as a whole. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, okay, so let's talk about Nehemiah. So you... He's a good guy. You start us off into... He is a good guy. He's, he's a good guy. He's one of those guys you like, you know? There's some guys in the Bible that you don't like. Nehemiah you like. You know? Maybe we'll have to do a list of guys you don't like in the Bible. <laughs> guys you don't like. I mean, like. if I like, like Goliath, he'd be a guy. Yeah, you don't want to be like Goliath. No. No. No, we'll have to do a bad guy. Pharaoh, list. maybe. Pharaoh's a bad dude. He's, ne- you know, he his heart's pretty hard. <laughs> You don't want to be like some that. Some would say. Some would say <laughs> that God did it. Um, but yeah, we we started this series in the book of Nehemiah um, weeks ago now. I think I counted 16. I think this Sunday is going to be the 17th week. The 17th week. We've been in Nehemiah. So we've been in Nehemiah for a while. Um, and just for people that are listening who um, maybe who have not been there for the entirety of the series, uh, what... How would you give us just sort of a, a summary of the Nehemiah story that we've seen um, so far in the book? Yeah, it's, I mean, when you first think about Nehemiah, like you, the instinct is to go straight to the wall. Like, well, we got to restore these walls. That's what God's calling us to. But God is doing 
so much more than just restoring a wall. And, and these people have been in exile. Um, they went through the Assyrian exile, the Babylonians take over, and then the Persians now are kind of um, ruling over them. And, um, but really what God is doing is restoring that nation, Israel. He's restoring the people back to himself. Um, and so it's this really cool picture. And as we walk through it, it does start kind of in the heart of Nehemiah when he's, when he's given this burden um, and he spends months in prayer and like tears about hearing um, about the city that they've come from, the history of what God has done in them. And now he's got this burden. And then the, the, the boldness of Nehemiah to go to King Artaxerxes and say, hey, can I go back and restore my city? Um, that was a bold move because, I mean, it was a really a life or death move. But as we read in the story of Nehemiah, God's hand was upon him. And so it's great seeing how God was guiding this whole thing. But like I said, it's really a story about God restoring the people back to himself. Because later on, as you go through the story, you start seeing how um, really they're, it's, it's rooted in this covenant and God's reestablishing this covenant with the people. And Nehemiah starts leading, Ezra starts leading into these covenant, like, let's remember the word of God. Let's remember that. Let's remember to worship God. Let's remember to pray to God. And so there's these big emphasis um, throughout of God really restoring not only the nation, but the people back to himself. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and I think that's been awesome for us as a church to walk through together is that idea of uh, the story being about the nation and the people being restored. And then um, one of the ways that even through the series that we've come back to over and over again is that idea that like that restoration that God had for his people is mirrored in the restoration that he has for us mm -hmm. through Jesus. Yeah, um, Because I think that sort of attribute, especially when you're dealing with the Old Testament, a lot of times it's easy to think of God as vengeful, as mm. wrathful, as right. jealous, as all these things. But Nehemiah really paints this picture of a God who is just, who is righteous, but who longs to restore, yeah. wants to bring health. Yeah. Uh, and, and, then, and we receive that. Yeah. And even the where we've been at in this um, six-week prayer se series in Nehemiah 9, we see so much of that, how it's us that are choosing um, other things than God. And and we're, we're sinning, we're forgetting, willfully forgetting um, the commandments of God, the word of God, and we start um, living lives um, of rebellion. And then God is merciful and God is gracious in all that, that he's... He would still want to hear from us, that he would still answer those cries for us, that he would still show up and deliver for us time and time again, even though we turn away from him. Man, that's, I can't say God is a vengeful or a, a, an evil God. Like, that's not at all the case when I read the Bible. When I read Nehemiah, it's, he is so loving and so gracious. And time and time again, I'm the one that rebels. I'm the one that turns away. But he's still right there. And I just, it, it just brings me closer to him, wants to drive me closer to him when I read uh, the text of Nehemiah. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, and you mentioned it, that 
mini series sort of within the the inception the dream within a dream the series within a series that we did the dream with the, is that a disney song the, a dream within a dream a dream within a dream no the li- a dream is a wish your heart makes what is that from? That's from Cinderella. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I have little girls. That's, that's how I no, know these. No, things. that's good. It's a good movie. They're, they got rats and they sing. Shoes. They're singing rats. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> what I was saying was that this this prayer series that we were just kind of in that was Nehemiah nine, where um, where there's this emphasis on prayer, and we we split that up over six weeks, and how. Um, during that time, we had a couple of worship nights. Mm-hmm. We've had both on those nights, but also just on Sunday mornings, had these intentional moments of prayer. Um, why Why would you say that prayer is this important thing? Why do you think it's important for us to cultivate a life of prayer? I was told kind of early on in my journey that they're with, with God, and early in my walk. Um, it's not inclusive to this, but three main ways that we commune and hear from God are through the Word of God. And so we, we dive into the Word, we read, and we hear the big God story in it all. Um, we we hear from God in community, in the church, and with other fellow believers and brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, we confess, we talk, we walk with each other in our journeys, and then that third piece would be prayer. And it's prayer is extremely important, um, mainly, and I think too, when we listen, when we take time to listen. And this is a, a discipline that I'm still uh, more and more um, strengthening. Um, it's nothing I've perfected at all, but I've been in some intentional times of prayer where I just, I'm quiet and God knows the things that are on my heart and I just try to listen. Um, listen, and then um, an old uh, pastor of mine, um, boss, when I was a youth pastor, he told me once, he sent me on a prayer day. He's like, don't text, don't look at your emails, don't do anything, but just pray. And I went up to the grotto. Um, If you haven't been to the grotto, it is amazing. And I spent about six, seven hours up there in prayer, which sounds like a lot, but really the day flew by. And I just listened. And that that pastor told me, he said, um, when you get a rabbit in your head, he's like, chase it until you catch it. He's like, a lot of times those are promptings from the Holy Spirit. And he's like, sometimes we could get distracted and we think there's another rabbit that comes up and we just get all distracted and nothing kind of gets. And it was was cool because um, this could be for another time, but God gave me three rabbits that day. And then a year from that uh, time, all three of those rabbits got answered. And it was really cool to kind of see that. So I think prayer is the humbling of us to say, we don't know what we're doing. God, can you lead us? Can you guide us? Help. Um, I need you. Um, And then the intentionality of listening. Um, And that um, is, is huge. And I feel like we see that in Nehemiah when the, um, the first sermon we did in the series was called The Burdens of Our Heart. And because we see this burden of Nehemiah's heart and it drove him to intentional, deep prayer for months and months. And I feel like that's something, that's a discipline for us as believers that's 
not really, sometimes it could be something we don't strengthen. And it's something that we need to do is commune with God, listen to God. And so it's really important in our relationship with God. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. And it is, it's one of those things that I'm sure most people would say, I wish I did more of that. Right. Um, and I think finding time and structuring out moments in your days or in your weeks where you're like, this is going to be like, like you had experienced with this pastor that was like, go spend a day, like be unreachable, do that. Like that's, that's hard for a lot of people to, to do, but I feel like it's one of those things that once you do it, you're like, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. that was great. I wish I did that more often. It's just hard to make those schedules and yeah, to plan yeah. For. Our, it's it's a weird thing because um, sometimes my wife Laura will remind me. She's like, you know, part of your job is to pray, and it's just we we live in such a world where we have to do tasks in order to feel like we're uh, justifying getting a paycheck and stuff. But uh, for what we do as pastors, yeah, like part of our job is to pray. As weird as it sounds, and I've been. There, there's been about three or four times over the time since I've been here, and I want to be more frequent with it, but I've taken like half of the day and drove drove out to uh, the Mount Angel Abbey and just spent the whole morning up there in prayer, reading scripture, and then going to the, the services where there's the, the singing prayers, and man, it is amazing mm-hmm. um, just being in that presence. You just feel like you're in the presence of holiness. And, and, and it puts you, it, it can't help but just drive you to be closer and talking to God. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so the Nehemiah story, there's, there's a couple of things that happen during the story where Nehemiah is following God's lead on getting the city reestablished and building the walls around Jerusalem. And there's this uh, persistent opposition that comes to the point where they even have to get armed and mm-hmm. get weapons as they're rebuilding this wall. And so there's this this story of God's faithfulness happening throughout this face of opposition. And I think it's really easy for us um, as Christians sometimes to expect God to pave the way for us, that part of the expectation once we begin to follow Jesus, once we um, make that move, that then now things will things will get easier. So, what? Mm. Why do you think? Why would you say that God, just like Nehemiah had experienced, why do you think God puts us through difficult times, or, or why doesn't He make it easy? Right. I mean, I, I think it's just the nature of our world too. It's like it's a fallen world. And we're, as believers in Jesus, as Christians, as followers of Christ, um, we're living out kingdom lives, but within the context of a fallen world and just the understanding that um, there's still sin in this world. And and the beautiful thing about that is God is inviting us to try to get rid of that sin by bringing Jesus into the, into the world and into people's lives. Um, but it's kind of expected, right? Like James talks about it, like, um, the series we'll do next talks about it, how we're kind of foreigners in our own land, really. And, um, God uses it to refine us, to purify us, uh, the whole trial by fire thing. But 
um, it also strengthens our faithfulness because even in the midst of the trials, the tribulations, whatever's going on, this crazy world we're in in 2020 and 2021, um, really it's amazing to see God's faithfulness in it all still. Um, and that, for one, strengthens my faith. Um, not Nothing I'm doing, but everything that God's doing. It's like, God, you're still working, and I see it. And I feel like if all of us took time to see it, um, see the beauty within the, the madness, um, we would see how God is still there and still moving and still working. And it's so beautiful to see. And so it's, it, and it is like the opposition comes. Um, Sanballat, I say Sam, how do you say his name? Uh, Sanballat. How'd... I say Balat. Oh, Ethan Hansen's with us, but Ethan he doesn't Hansen's want to talk. He doesn't want to... But he, he, he can't, he can't say that word. Yeah. He never so, learned I don't know if read. I'm saying it right. I don't know if you're saying it right. Yeah. He's just heard other people say it, but he can't read himself. Yeah. 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 So Sam Ballot and Tobiah, they come. Yeah. And they bring, they try to mess with their heads first, bringing that mental doubt um, that Satan will often do with us. Um, he'll bring, they try to bring the physical threat. And then a lot of the people were afraid, like, man, we're going to die. So like you said, they take up arms and, um, but really, like, after the completion of the wall, they jeer at him, they hate on him, like, all of it. They hit him from all ways. Um, but at the end of it, when the walls are restored, even they say, this is a work of God. And so I feel like our faithfulness in times like these years that we're in, in the season that we're in, people are going to look back and say, man, God was victorious. Hmm. God delivered. God not only restored, but... But this was a work of God, like how he is still working and faithful even in times like this. And so it's great to see um, see that. And I, I hope that if you're listening to this, that if you're going through something, uh, whatever it is, um, I, I just want to encourage you that God, one, loves you, cares for you, but he is still working. He is still faithful. Um, he is still gracious to you. He is still merciful to you. And now for us... Um, to be people that receive that and then give it, give it to the people around us. Um, give all that grace and mercy and love. Uh, Cause that's what the world needs right now is a whole lot of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the tendency for a lot of us is to look at it back in retrospect. Like we can read through Nehemiah we can go, Oh my gosh, God's hand was on Nehemiah the whole time. But if you're one of the people that's there helping build the wall and someone comes up to you and they're like, Hey, you need to, like keep this sword with you and they're like well i don't need a sword well we have reason to believe you know like you would have all these doubts and you wouldn't be like god's got us the whole time so i think that what you're speaking to is that um that challenge for us in our faith that regardless of where we are to ask the questions of like what is god doing right now so even in some of the darkest valleys that we go through to be able to say like this is how things are but if God is faithful to be who he is, then what is he teaching me? What is he leading me through? Where, you know, mm-hmm. to ask those questions while it's happening, as opposed to in retrospect, where you go, oh my gosh, God provided for that thing six months ago. Yeah. How much healthier can we be if we're constantly asking those questions and going, what is, like, what are you showing me? What are you, what are you revealing to me? Why, you know, what am I to learn through this experience? And, I think that's been a lot of what, you know, because the payoff in Nehemiah is you hit the walls built 
they're ready to celebrate. They do all these feasts and like there's this big mm -hmm. thing. Right. And it would be easy in that moment to be like, oh my gosh, look, God did all this stuff. But God was at work the whole time. Yeah. And and it's when we lose sight of that that I think that the temptation for us is to think that our current circumstances are just what they're going to be all the time. Mm -hmm. Like if you're building the wall and they hand you a sword and you're nervous for your life, if you think this is always how it's going to be, then that's terrifying. Right. <laughs> but if you're like, okay, is God still who God is? Do I still have his faithfulness to rely on? Do I still, then you can get to the, the celebration and the wall being completed and, been, and the whole time been aware of like, okay, but God's been with us the whole time, you know, and appreciating right. that. So, yeah. yeah. So now as we come to the end of Nehemiah, um, and, and as we kind of move on to something else, what would, like, what would you hope for us as a church as we come away and we've looked at Nehemiah pretty in depth in a lot of different ways? What do you feel like is one or two of like the, the biggest takeaways for us as a church, like moving forward, what do you want people to have in their back pocket after this series? Man, I think the emphasis of, um, how God has restored the people. I, I, w I would hope that our people lean heavily into the Word of God um, and their walk with God. I would hope that that would drive them deeper into a life of prayer with Him, um, where they're connecting with Him, and then have that response be to worship. Uh, worship God um, wholeheartedly and for all that He's done. And so for, and I feel like that just, brings us always to restoration because I know that when I sin, when I rebel, um, the instinct is to keep going away, but to specifically turn around and, and go to the Word of God, um, I know that's where I'm going to connect in big ways with God, to go um, and pray to God. A lot of times that's one of the most awkward things is when you know you messed up or like you've been, you haven't communicated with God in a while. Like it's like that awkward first thing with a friend. It's like, man, I haven't talked to that person in a while. Do, and, and you call them and it's, what what's do I up, say? man? Like, hey, we cool? And, and I feel like that's some of our our heart, too, when we haven't talked to God in a while. Like, is he going to be cool with me? Is he going to be all right? But he is. And so to continue to go to God in prayer and then, man, living lives of worship and not just singing worship, but in everything we do, worshiping God um, with everything we are. And so that's kind of the three main takeaways Um if there were only three, but there's so much in this book. And it's one of my favorite books in the Bible. But I would hope that people remember that God is with them. God is all, uh, merciful. God is gracious. But let's remember that by staying true and consistent to the Word of God and prayer that leads us to worship. Yeah, totally. Well, that's awesome. Well, so we're, yeah, we're coming to the end of Nehemiah. We've got some takeaways. Now, please tell me that our next series is going to be in the New Testament because I think I could speak on behalf of a lot of people that we all love the Old Testament. Oh, the Old but Testament. We also, we also love oh, us some Jesus. We're going to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not well, that we feel, haven't. No, no. Now that I feel <laughs> you're twisting my arm here. Not that, not that we haven't had Jesus through Nehemiah because we have, but. Yeah, so the next series we're going to go through is first Peter. Mm. And we're going to go through first Peter. We're calling it 
Sojourners of Hope. And one of the reasons I feel like it's a good message, not only in our time, for our church, for our people, is really it's reflective of where we're at um, in our life. The um, First Peter, uh, they were in a, I, would, I wouldn't call it a post-Christian world, maybe I would, but I feel like we're in a post-Christian society in Portland, Oregon. Um, we're, um, the minority here, the, um, amongst the liberal town. And so, uh, for us, we're very much aliens in a foreign land. And so, um, how do we, the heart is, how do we live out Jesus lives in the midst of a post-Christian world? And I feel like first Peter is going to help us with that and kind of teach us how to do that. And so that's kind of the heart behind the next series. And that'll lead us right up to Advent. And so, and you oh, know, awesome. I love me some Christmas, yeah, some Advent season. Yeah, I know. I know your favorite song is "Mary, Did You Know." No, and don't so, you? No, I don't every, mean to offend if you like that. song. Everybody out there, if you want to bless Greg this Advent season, this Christmas season, you sit, just sing that song. Just come up to him on a Sunday. Walk right up to him. Don't say anything else, and just start singing. My Mary, did you know? My favorite actual Christmas, and um, maybe it might even be worship song, is "Oh Holy Night." Truth be told, and I think I knew that. But you just wanted to do that. But I want people to come up to you and start singing. I hope they come up to you and say, "Marcus, did you know?" Yeah, no, they're not gonna. <laughs> no one's gonna do that. But that is the "Oh Holy Night" is a good one, and I think. Uh, that's awesome that the next place we're going is First Peter. I think if you're listening to this, like kind of diving into that now, even um, as we prepare to to walk through it together as a church, um, would be uh, maybe something that you'd want to do leading up to the series. And, um, and really, I think uh, just even in response to what you said about us sojourning and us being in this post-Christian society, um, I think that's one of the most universal things. So I think it fits our church well. I think with Greater Portland really living that out and being a church that's spread out from all corners mm, of right. the Portland metro area and having people from all over, there's just there's different experiences everywhere. Whether you're if you're living downtown, you're living a different experience than I'm living out in Tigard or, mm -hmm. you know, like that sort of, we're all kind of in our own, uh, experience of Portland, but that context of where you're living out your faith right. is important because if you're, if you're living that out in a way that is not considering the context you're in, then you, you might miss something or, um, or mis, not misrepresent Christ, but just if there's anything that Jesus did really well, it was understanding the context that he was in and who he was talking to. And so he talked, and, and even the difference between where we see Jesus talking to um, Jewish people about faith, and then Paul when he's going specifically mm -hmm. to Gentiles, and he's saying, and it, it's a different, you hear different language, well, it's because he understood the context that he was communicating to. And so... Um, and so for us to be going through first Peter and looking at just the ways that, um, that, that letter encourages believers 
in another context and in a specific situation for us to think about as a church for Greater Portland. And like you said earlier, this move from going um, missional globally and neighborhood, but also thinking citywide, mm-hmm. this series will hopefully be an opportunity for us to start to have those those eyes to look at what's going on in the city in general and right. how can we come alongside yeah. that. So yeah. I think that'll be awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's um, it's another one of my favorites as well. But yeah, it's First Peter. I feel like I'm just doing the uh, greatest hits. Yeah, when of... when can we do someone else's favorites? Oh man, like Jude. <laughs> I really like Jude. Hey Jude. No one preaches Jude. <laughs> we oh we should look at that. No. You, is that really one of your favorites? I mean, it is one of my favorites because it's super interesting. But no one preaches Jude. <laughs> There's some of those like Jude. Some of the minor prophets. I love the minor prophets. Oh, I love them too. But people don't preach them. Right. You know? Right. Well, it's something we'll have to do. We'll do like a minor prophet series. Some of them are better than others though. (laughs) Like I I really like Haggai. But. I like Malachi. Malachi's okay. Okay. It's okay. Wow. Haggai's way better than Malachi though. Amos is pretty legit. Amos is good. Uh. Obadiah. Obadiah. <laughs> I like that you just say the word back. Obadiah. Obadiah. Yeah. Obadiah. Yeah. yeah. yeah what a, happens in Obadiah, that's Craig? That's a name. <laughs> Who names their kid? Who's Who's the most recent Obadiah that you've met? Dude, there was an. Wasn't there an Obadiah? For those of you that don't know, Greg and I uh, served together at uh, Imago Day Community, leading the youth group there. Um, oh, I think there didn't was. Didn't we an Obadiah. have an Obadiah? Yeah. I think we had an Obadiah. Obi. That one's, yeah, Obi. That one's one that actually gets used. There are some, there's no ha- kid named Haggai. There's no. It's disappointing. There's some Zacharias. There's no Zephaniahs. Mm. Zeph, I've, I think I, I feel like I've met a Zeph, but I don't think it was a Zephaniah. You met a Zeph? I almost, I'm, I'm almost certain I have. <laughs> Maybe oh not. my gosh. Well, before this thing digresses too much and we start talking about <laughs> Old Testament names for kids. Um yeah, I just thank you Greg for for being here for talking through um just kind of where we've been and where we're going. I think it's uh it's a really encouraging time right now at, at Greater Portland just with what we have been experiencing as a church and grateful to have you at the head of it and leading us in that. Yeah, I'm grateful for Grateful to be here and grateful for our team, man. It's one, not only are they amazing, but they're so much fun to be around. And so, yeah, it's good to be here. All right. Well, that's it for this month's episode. And make sure that you subscribe, whether it's on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, just so you know when a new one is coming out. Grateful to have been with you for this time and look forward to when we get to talk again. Mm-hmm.